now with modern technology actually know the Rosh Kadesh days going back 10,000 years and going forward 10,000 years with our modern um, ability to understand the, the moons. Despite this existence of this fixed calendar that we know when the new moons would be, we still announce Rosh Kadesh during the synagogues, in the synagogues on the preceding Shabbat, which, we, which Arletha did this past week for us. And it's called Shabbat Mevarkin, the Shabbat of blessing of the new month. The announcement is made right after the reading of the Torah before returning it to the ark. In a prayer that begins with, may it be your will that you renew this month for us for good and for blessing. The name of the new month, the day of the week of which it falls, and then we give it a prayer. During the evening service of Rosh Kadesh, a prayer, Yael Ve'yavo, is added to the Avodah, the prayer for the restoration of the temple and a segment of the Amidah. During the morning service, Yael Ve'yavo, it is again recited in half the Hillel, which are Psalms, 113 through 118 are recited. Except on Rosh Kadesh Tevet, which is during Hanukkah, when the full Hillel is recited. The book of Numbers, 28, 1 through 15, which includes the offering of Rosh Kadesh, is read. An additional prayer service called the Musaf is added to commemorate the original sacrifices in the temple. So the prayers that we do and the worship that we do here is to, um, is to commemorate the sacrifices that would have went on in the temple every Rosh Kadesh. Many have a custom to make sure they eat a special meal in honor of Rosh Kadesh. As the code of Jewish law su suggests, this gives one the opportunity to recite the Yael Ve Yavo after their meals. It's like a grace after meals. The blessing after meals. Rosh Kadesh itself is a minor holiday with very relatively few observances, but there are still a, several significant liturgical changes. An extra paragraph is added to the Abadah and to the grace after meals. An abbreviated form of Hillel is recited and a selection from the Torah about the Rosh Kadesh is read. So, Yom Kippur Katan was something that was traditionally done by the Jewish people prior to a Rosh Kadesh. We've heard of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur Katan would mean like the small Yom Kippur. Longing for atonement that Israel attained through the communal sin offering brought on Rosh Kadesh in the temple, the Kabbalists of the 16th century, Safad, instituted a day of repentance and fasting each Erv Rosh Kadesh called Yom Kippur Katan, the minor day of atonement. According to the prevailing custom, Yom Kippur Katan is observed on the 29th of most months, but not all. It is omitted on the 29th of Nisan because we do not fast during that month. On the 29th of Elul, because fasting is pro prohibited on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, and in most communities on the 29th of Teshri, which is today, well, no, which was yesterday, since today is now the first of Kishvan, because we do not fast during Teshri after Yom Kippur, and on the 29th of Kislev, 
because during that, during that is Hanukkah. It should be noted, though, that the vast majority of Jews do not fast on these days. Today, in this world today. Many congregations, nevertheless, observe the day reciting the Yom Kippur Katan prayer service during Minka. Many who do observe Yom Kippur Katan during the rest of the year will do so on the Erev of Rosh Kadesh Elul, the month preceding Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, preparing for those 40 days of repentance that you, um, that you observe heading into the High Holy Days. So this month is Kishvan. It's called Keshvan or it's called Mar Keshvan. The Jewish, the Jerusalem Talmud informs us that the names of the monks came from us from Babylon, as we know, Babylonia. Until the Babylonian exile, the monks were either known by their number, like the first month, and so on, or by names that are not commonly used nowadays. In fact, the Book of Kings this month, in the Book of Kings this month, is called Bul which is the eighth month, counting from Nisan. Throughout the Mishnah and the Talmud, and many later works, the month is called Mar Keshvan. This is also the case when dating Jewish legal documents or when blessing the new month. On the other hand, we find the oldest extant work, the Sefer Yet Risa, the Book of Formation, a book that predates the Talmud or the Mishnah, this month is referred to as Keshvan. The Zohar likely calls, likewise calls this month Keshvan, and it, that is how it is usually called in everyday speech. So why is there a discrepancy? Why do we have two names for this month? Because there's a difference of opinion whether the month's true name is Marsh Keshvan or whether it's really Keshvan. And the Mar is merely an appellation added to, the, to describe the month. There are a number of explanations that are afforded as to the deeper meaning behind Mar in Mar Keshvan. Mar means bitterness. Some explains that Mar means bitterness. Think of the Marar that we eat on Passover. The month is seen as bitter for a number of reasons. Coming after the holiday-rich month of Tishri, the month of Mar Keshvan is devoid of any holidays. We have no holidays this month. Sarah and Rachel both passed away during this month. During the first temple era, when the Jewish nation split into two kingdoms, Jeroboam, the king of the northern tribes, instituted a pagan holiday on the month of Keshvan to counter the worship of God that took place in Jerusalem, which was situated in the kingdom of Judah. He didn't want his people going back to Jerusalem, so he instituted his, his own worship service in his land so that he would keep control of his people a drop of water. Others explain that the word mar means a drop of water, as in the verse, like a drop mar from a bucket. It is in this month that Jews in the land of Israel began praying for rain. Thus we say mar is a prayer for rain. Additionally, Mabul, the great flood in the times of Noah, began on this month. So the flood that Noah um, experienced happened on this month and the end of the flood happened at this, during this month because it's exactly a year a little over a year that uh, the uh, Moses I mean uh, Noah was actually in the ark some explain that on the contrary the Mar in Mar Kishvan actually has a positive connotation the word Mar can mean honor like master this honorific is given 
since it is the the month that King Solomon finished building the first temple. In truth, there's an element of bitterness here as well. For although it was finished then, the temple wasn't dedicated until later, leaving the month bereft of a possible holiday. Despite the dedication of the first temple not being made in the month of Markashvan, the Midrash relates that the third temple will be dedicated this month. Remember, this is right after Teshri. It's right after Sukkot that this, this happens. So the thought is that this, the third temple will be dedicated at this time. Thus, not only will it not be a bitter month, on the contrary, it will be a month of rejoicing because who will be dedicating that third temple? It will be the Messiah. And may that speedily happen in our days. All this is from Kabad. Keshvan is when darkness reigns, yet growth begins deep beneath the surface. The current Hebrew month, Keshvan, is classically referred to as Marsh Kavan. The first two words spell the word Mar. In Hebrew, this word means bitter, which some homiletically connect to the fact that there are no special occasions that occur this month. Even Av, the month when we mourn the destruction of the two holy temples, is not referred to as bitter. Because the sad days of the year offered us an opportunity for introspection, to contemplate where we've gone wrong. Thus, both the festival days and the negative days can be used to connect to spirituality. A month that is refit of any significant days, even sad days, is more bitter than anything because there are no moments to arise to give us pause. It is significant to note that the original name of this, ne- this month was not Marshavan. This Babylonian name was adopted when the Jews went through the 70-year exile between the first and second temples. The original name for this Hebrew month, as I said before, was Bul, which here they're saying means drying up as the leaves begin to decay during this month. Because what's happening? We're going into autumn. Clearly, the month of Markishvan, or Bul, as its name suggests, is the month of darkness and decay. Indeed, the biblical book of Kings cites Bul as the month when King Solomon completed the construction of the first temple, though the dedication did not take place until a year later in the Hebrew month of Teshri. What is the deeper significance of this, and what can we learn from it? There are two key events that happen in this month. If we search further, we can find two other events that occurred in the month of Keshvan. The first was the flood of the times of Noah. The flood began on the 17th of Keshvan, and the waters receded by the following year on the 27th of Keshvan, allowing Noah and the other inhabitants of the ark to disembark. Interestingly, one explanation of the name of Bul is it stems from this month as the beginning of the rainy season in Israel. It is thus connected with the word mabul, which means flood, an overabundance of rain. It is significant to note that the flood was originally intended to begin on the 11th of Kishvan. However, Methuselah passed away, and thus the flood was delayed in deference to the seventh-day period of mourning that followed his death. The second important event that occurred on Kishvan seems unrelated at first glance. This is the death of Jacob's wife, Rachel as well as the birth of Benjamin. It's a beautiful thing to have birth after a sad occurrence like death. That occurred on the 11th of Keshvan. It was previously the same day as Methuselah's death, 
the very day that the flood had originally been slated to begin. As there are no coincidences in the Torah, we must ask, what is the connection between these two events? And what do they reveal about the essence of the month of Keshvan? In thinking about what the matriarch Rachel and her son Benjamin stand for respectively, we can see that Rachel represents the Jewish people in exile, and Benjamin represents the completed state of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Rachel spent her entire life outside of Israel and passed away just as Jacob and his family entered the Holy Land. As our sages tell us, her spirit accompanied the Jewish people as they went into Babylonian exile, and it, it is she who cries for her children in exile until the final redemption comes. In contrast, Benjamin is the last son of Jacob, the twelfth of the tribes, whose birth marks the completion of the people of Israel. He is the only son of Jacob that was born in Israel, and thus represents the Jewish people's perfected state in the land of Israel. This is further underscored, underscored as Ramkal explains, by the fact that Saul, the first king of the Jewish people, came from the tribe of Benjamin. Furthermore, the miracle of Purim, which immediately preceded the return of the Jews to Israel and the building of the second temple, was brought about through the vehicle of Mordecai and Esther, who both came from the tribe of Benjamin. Exploring further, we can see that the very death of Rachel resulted in the birth of Benjamin. This would correspond to the idea that exile itself is which births redemption. The descent into darkness creates the potential for future light. This theme can be seen in the flood as well. Although the world in its previous state came to an end, at the same time, there was a new beginning, and it was being sown in the person of Noah. The very passing of Methuselah opened the curtain for Noah to assume leadership of the next generation. The death of the previous order gave rise to the new potential for growth. Now we can explain the essence of the month of Keshvan as brought to light by the events that occurred in this month. Keshvan is a time that is bitter, for there seems to be no opportunities for growth and spiritual connection. It is a time of deterioration as the leaves wither and the world enters a state of deep hibernation. And yet, it is also a time when rain begins. Rain is blessing. When the potential future for growth is being sown. It is a time when spiritual darkness reigns, yet when spiritual growth begins deep beneath the surface. It is a moment when Rachel passes on, when all seems bleak, when the darkness of the exile closes in, and it is the moment of birth of Benjamin, the seed of the Jewish people's perfected state, which is shown, shown in that very darkness. Keshvan begins an extended period of time between the last festival of Sukkot and the next Passover. In the meantime, the spiritual seeds planted during the Jewish month of Teshri begin to take root. They are to be watered and grow finally appearing and bearing fruit in Nisan the next year. The message of Kishvan is that despite the darkness, and even because of the darkness, there is future growth that awaits us. We have the opportunity to nurture that this very moment. It is now that we gather the seeds from the holidays of the month of Tishri. We plant them and carefully water them in the winter months. With God's help, we will soon marvel at the beautiful spring bounty that we merit to cultivate. All of that came from Aish. This here is a little small on this thing, so I'm going to put this over here. 
we also, um, I also wanted to make sure that we give you this because this is from uh, Hebrew from Christians. And they do a good job of explaining a lot of uh, messianic concepts about things. So in the biblical calendar, the month of Kishvan immediately follows the holiday month of Tishri, though it is sometimes called Marka Shifan, bitter, bitter Shifan, because there are no festivals during this month. It's the start of the cold and rainy season. Uh-oh. This thing is jumping all around. It's just the start of the cold and rainy season in Israel. The Torah records that God brought down the flood that destroyed the world on Keshvan, which lasted until Keshvan 27, exactly one calendar year after it began. All this stuff we already talked about. Historically, Keshvan has been a time that has brought much suffering to the Jewish people throughout the ages. In more recent times, German Nazis launched a campaign of terror against the Jewish people. There's this thing called Christenlach. Kristonach. It's the night of broken glass. It was a, a famous pogrom that initiated the Holocaust, and it occurred on Keshvan 15. Its initial political purpose was to disarm all German Jews, though this became the pretext for cruelty, murder, and genocide of the Jewish people. Despite its association with judgment, some Jewish traditions maintain that the month of Kishvan will eventually lose its bitterness because it will be during this time that the third temple will be inaugurated. For Messianic believers, however, this future temple will be the tribulation temple, the place where the Messiah of evil will betray Israel about midway through the final week of Daniel's great prophecy. Indeed, it will be only after Yeshua returns to save Israel at the end days that the fourth millennial kingdom temple will be established. Now I don't know about this. This is this is what they're saying. And then all surviving nations that come to Zion will honor the Jewish people and the Lord God of Israel. Personally I believe that the third temple will be brought in by Messiah. And that, that um, while it may certainly be built on earth, he will he will reign over that third temple. Some of the things that happened in this month we talked about already, Methuselah dying and the death of Rachel the assassination of uh, Yitzchak Rebin, he's a, which is now a National Memorial Day, uh, King Jeroboam's alternative feast of Sukkot for the people of the Northern Kingdom, the death of Matiahu, which is Matthias, who, who began the Maccabean revolt in the city of Modin, Modin, Christonach we talked about, there were 1,400 synagogues that were burned and at the same time, yes, or at least close to the same time on the same day. And then the Tanakhs were burned, the Torahs were burned. It was a, it was a very, very sad day. In, 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 in. You know, we are studying the book of Mark in this apostolic scripture, apostolic scripture class that I have. And one of the things that we talked about last week was, was Mark is warning the believers of the suffering that they will go through, you know. Um, well, Jewish people, even though they weren't believers in Yeshua, are still our brothers and sisters, and they're still God's people. Just, just we're all God's people. So this is an example of, of, of God's people suffering that they they've gone through in so many ways. 
and, and we, we suffer with them because they're our brothers. So, to bring this to, to, to a close, um, Kishvan is, um, is a month with no holidays, as we said. It's a month of, of it, it's, it's, a, it's a month that's appropriately put in this season because fall and winter are, are a time when things do decay and kind of go back into being a grayish type, death type thing, you know. But it's all renewed in the springtime. It's just, it's, it's, it's part of God's cycle. It's part of God's cycle of life. So, it's not a month to mourn. It's not a month to be sad. It's a month to just realize that God has a cycle and that we are part of that. And we're thankful to be in God's graces and to be in God's cycle. So let's close with a, with a prayer. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father in heaven. Father, we come before you and just say thank you for blessing us and for allowing us to understand the importance of worshiping you and coming before you on your your Rosh Kodesh's, your new moons, 12 times a year, Father, sometimes 13. And we understand the importance of this just like we understand the importance of the Shabbat and the festivals. Bless us this month. Be with us this month. Carry us through, through life. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.